Hello there, welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm James Paniki, MLEX's Brussels Managing Editor, and we spend a lot of time covering the corporate high flyers here at MLEX, the big names that inevitably get caught up in any antitrust regulatory decision. It's not often that we get to focus on price fixing that affects employees rather than products. Yet wage fixing and so-called no-poach agreements among companies, so these are agreements that restrict employees' ability to pick and choose their employer, have been thrust back into the limelight. The reason for this is that last October, the United States Department of Justice announced that it would switch from prosecuting wage fixing as civil antitrust violations and instead treat them as criminal violations. So the stakes just got a lot higher. It's an issue that hasn't escaped the attention of MLEX's chief global antitrust correspondent, Leah Nyland. Leah's based in Washington, D.C., from where she joins me today. Hello, Leah. Hello, James. Firstly, let's talk about what wage fixing and no poach agreements actually are and why they're so problematic. Sure. So wage fixing agreements are ones in which different companies sort of band together and share information about what they're paying their employees and then reach agreements so that they won't pay, they'll pay employees about the same amount. That way, even if one were to move to another place, uh, they wouldn't really be getting that much more of a raise. This reduces a lot of the incentive for employees to move between jobs. It it, um, gives the employer a little bit more leverage because they know that even if they go somewhere, if their employee goes somewhere else, it isn't gonna help that much. No poach agreements are a little bit different. This is where uh, companies uh, get together and they agree not to cold call or try and poach each other's employees. So there was a very famous case with some of the big Silicon Valley giants like Google, Apple, Adobe, where they had agreed that they would not cold call senior engineers, the, the people who are really important in doing a lot of the work that they do. This ends up depressing wages because you can't move between employers, and that's some of where you get your biggest raises from. I was going to say, either way you look at it, it's bad news for employees because their wages are kept artificially low. Now, up until now, the DOJ has dealt with such cases under civil antitrust legislation. How has that worked out for them? In particular, you mentioned some Silicon Valley uh, companies. Uh, Tell me about those cases and how things have worked out for the DOJ on this front. Yes, so that was a really big case that the Justice Department brought in about 2010. As I said, it mentioned some of the biggest companies out there, Google, Apple, Adobe, Intel, uh, eBay. And uh, when the Justice Department settled with them, they all agreed that they would essentially not do it anymore. Uh, That's a civil antitrust violation. They just um, say that they'll stop doing it. We call these (laughs) uh, colloquially go forth and sin no more pledges. (laughs) They have agreed that they're going to stop the conduct and then that's it. And so there were no, no fines imposed, simply a commitment that they wouldn't do it anymore. Is that right? Yes, there were no fines at all. So the companies essentially said, we'll stop doing this. Uh, There was a private uh, action filed by some of the engineers who were impacted, and they ended up getting a bit of money from the companies uh, sort of to make up for the fact that their wages hadn't grown in several years. But uh, that was the private side. The Justice Department didn't seek any fines or penalties from them. The Department of Justice is planning to treat these prosecutions differently now. Uh, Tell me something about uh, this change and why this change has come about. So yes, so they've said that from now on, they're going to treat these types of agreements as criminal antitrust violations. Those have a lot more serious consequences. Companies can be fined up to $100 million for these types of violations. Also, if they find that particular people 
uh, individuals were involved, those individuals can be charged personally and are liable to go to prison. So uh, the, technically it's up to 10 years in prison, though more likely people go for between one and three years. But there's, that's still a, a pretty serious <laughs> penalty compared to, you know, just agreeing not to do it anymore. And tell me why they took this decision to move it into the, the criminal uh, realm. Was the previous arrangement seen as, as not strong enough to tackle this problem? I think that's part of it. Uh, they Wages in the U.S. have been stagnating for quite some time, and they're not quite sure. Lots of economists have looked at the issue, and they're not quite sure what is the cause of it. Low minimum wage may be one, but another one that they think may be part of it is this, that a lot of employers have a lot of power over their employees right now. And this is one way they figured that they could try and tackle the problem. Companies really are not supposed to be trying to get together and reaching agreements on anything. So uh, if they were to get together and try and reach an agreement on the prices of their products, that would obviously be illegal. So they said, you know, it, it follows that you shouldn't really be getting together and reaching agreements on the price that you pay your employees either. It's, it's a horizontal agreement and horizontal agreements among companies are per se are automatically illegal. The interesting thing is the Justice Department has said that since they started investigating this last year, they have found a lot more cases than they expected. Um, one of the new heads of the agency uh, made some comments, some of his first public comments at a conference a month ago and said that he was, quite frankly, stunned by the number of these cases that they have open because it's a lot more common practice than you sort of just these sort of theoretical papers made it seem. Now, conceptually, this can be quite difficult, can't it? Because uh, obviously we mentioned the case of the Silicon Valley companies, and that was quite easy to define. These were different companies agreeing not to poach each other's staff. But what about the case which is often mentioned of McDonald's in which uh, different franchises have an agreement not to poach their staff from within the same company, if you will? How does that work out? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. So there are a bunch of private antitrust lawsuits looking at this this issue. So McDonald's and some other large corporate fast food giants have um, agreements with franchises. So McDonald's doesn't actually own each McDonald's store. They have sold out the rights to use the name to a particular person. But one thing that McDonald's includes in these franchise agreements is uh, they require the people who run the McDonald's to agree not to try and poach employees from other McDonald's. And some of the workers have challenged this under antitrust and labor laws. There's another case also that involves some other fast foods like Carl's and Hardy who have the same sort of agreement. And this is one thing that courts are looking at. If it's a McDonald's and it, it's a franchise, it's technically sort of within the same corporate entity. But is that still fair to require that these two franchises not try and poach these employees? Theoretically, you know, they, they're doing things a lot the same. They're all McDonald's franchises. They're all making Big Macs and milkshakes and things like that. So uh, once you've been trained at one McDonald's, your skills would be pretty easily transferred to another. And if you were to go to another one, perhaps you could get, you could move up to be a manager or you could uh, get a raise from that. But right now, McDonald's um, agreements are keeping them from moving in between the McDonald's franchises. So criminal violations are set to become the new normal for wage fixing and no poach agreements. But when uh, can we expect to see a case that challenges this new approach? 
That's probably going to be happening pretty soon. The principal deputy assistant attorney general uh, gave a speech about two weeks ago, and he focused very heavily on this topic, on wage fixing and no poaching agreements, saying it's, it's a priority for the Justice Department right now. And as I mentioned, they said that they have a lot of these cases. So we're probably going to be seeing one in the next couple of months. And it'll be a big deal. It'll be sort of the first time they've brought one of these. Okay, Leah, thank you very much for uh, chatting today. It's always a pleasure. Of course. Thanks so much. Leah Nylon is MLEX's chief global antitrust correspondent, and she was speaking to me from Washington, D.C. And don't forget, you can listen to more MLEX podcasts right here at this very web page. My name's James Paniki, and from everyone here in MLEX's Brussels office, thank you very much for your company. I'll catch you again very, very soon. Bye for now. Bye for now.